We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte! We're back! Good morning, and thanks for joining us again. For another buzz beat, this is Richie. I'll be joined by Spencer and Brian this Saturday morning here on Twitter Spaces. One reminder, uh, if you visit buzzbeat.substack.com, uh, you will find written pieces there. Most of them are free. I'm 99% sure my next piece will be about free agency. Also on Substack, there's a way to support us by signing up for BuzzBeat Plus, which gets you ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and exclusive episodes. We've had a couple of those so far. So uh, definitely check that out. I'll put a note in the description uh, of this episode. So a couple of weeks ago, guys, we were actually reacting to the hiring of Kenny Atkinson. He's no longer. We now have Steve Clifford back in Charlotte. It was reported yesterday that the Hornets were bringing him back the contract is pretty noteworthy. Uh, it's three years, $4 million per year, and that third year is a team option. Clifford did spend five years here in Charlotte, finished with two playoff appearances and a record of 196 wins, 214 losses. So, Spencer, I'm going to throw it to you first, but just kind of my initial reaction here is all over the place because, one, I think a lot of people were thinking that D'Antoni was going to be the hire because he was the other finalist, but something must have fallen through there in some kind of fashion because Clifford's name never even circulated until you know the last couple of days. I think with the leverage that D'Antoni had, the nature of MJ, this contract that uh, Clifford just received, I wonder if money was a bit, a bit of a kicker there. And then... I know we're going to get into this, but I think there's just so many different things in terms of philosophies and demeanor between Clifford and JB. So they went from Clifford to JB, now back to Clifford, and there's going to be a little bit of a different philosophy, accountability on the defensive end of the court. This definitely feels like an MJ move, Spencer, and one that is focused more so on the immediate future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like an MJ move. You know, I think they have a they've uh, sounds like kept open communication lines. Uh, it sounds like MJ, you know, really has a lot of respect 
for Steve Clifford, I'd consider this one of MJ's uh, better decisions that he's made <laughs> recently. Um, I didn't know how to feel about this yesterday. Richie and BG, um, it just kind of came out of nowhere, and it obviously developed very quickly. But I slept on it, and I'm excited. I gotta say, wow! Like I, I'm, I'm, I love Steve Clifford. I, I've always loved Steve Clifford, respected him a lot. Um, you know, all the obvious things make you nervous. You know, this is a young team. This is a rigid coach who has a rigid voice and very clear cut uh, expectations. Not not a lot of gray area. I, I tend to think that's what most of the guys, young guys on this roster need. Uh, and then, you know, the other concern is obviously offensive style, um, you know, very uh, creative, open-ended, um, kind of unpredictable style of, of exciting play. Uh, LaMelo and Bridges and, and others bring to this. Steve Clifford, not a coach that has cultivated that kind of style <laughs> in the past, I would say. So how is that going to mesh? I, we'll have to wait and see. But I think really, <clears throat> to tie a bow on it, in terms of having a young team with a lot of talent and a lot of potential they need very clear-cut uh, ground rules on what the expectations are, what the scheme is, uh, what they got to bring mentally to the gym every single day. You know, just the, just the basics. I think this team's got to get better at the basics, and we can go as deep or not into that as you guys want today. But and I think Clifford's going to bring that. Like, this could end badly in a year because LaMelo could just be like, you know, I'm just not playing for this guy. Like that's totally on the table. Uh, and that's the risks here. But it sounds but, like the locker room, you know, under JB was kind of heading that direction anyway. Yeah. But I think that answers a lot of questions for Charlotte in the long run. Like I want LaMelo to be here as long, you know, for his whole career, just like everybody else. But like he, he also has to act, play, lead a certain way. And I think Clifford is, is, the guy to start answering some of those questions and, and pulling, hopefully pulling those things out of these young guys. So, you know, is it the perfect fit? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, it, did this all play out in the way that we wanted to? Of course not. You know, we all wanted Kenny Atkinson to be here. That was, you know, the first choice. Then it was D'Antoni. And all of a sudden we have Steve Clifford, like the process to get here was very choppy. Uh, that's obvious. But I think that the end product, Steve Clifford, what this young roster needs. I don't think this is a bad thing. I, so, DG. I think I'm still trying to kind of like wrap my head around it. And I think maybe that's also just pushing me towards some overthinking. Like this may, this move just kind of is what it is. Like Spencer, you said there's, there's clearly, they kept open the line of communications. There's trust. MJ clearly likes Steve Clifford. And I think Cliff is someone that can be, that you can bring him in. We've seen it now in both Charlotte and Orlando. He can organize the defense, raise the overall floor um, of that team, you know, nail down some key obvious bits of kind of low hanging fruit in terms of overarching strategy, you know, avoid fouls, avoid turnovers, limit um, opponent transition possessions. And, uh, you know, going, I, for instance, uh, I went back and pulled up some numbers last night, going back to the 18-19 season, Orlando's defense ranked uh, number nine in the NBA in percentage of opponent possessions that would qualify as transition. 
and they ranked second in the league in defensive efficiency in transition, those numbers uh, per cleaning the glass. In the following year, they were uh, number six in the NBA in percentage of defensive possessions that came in transition and number 11 in efficiency on those possessions. However, like some of the concerns, like Clifford teams are often teams that have a bit of a, a ceiling, like a bit of a governor on them, um, both in terms of like their style of play, how creative they're going to be offensively, um, decent regular season teams, but ones that always turn into fodder in the postseason, you know, for a one or a two seed team. And like, you know, I think to an extent there's a, there's a level of credit to that because you're probably getting a team to overachieve a little bit mm-hmm. and play above its head a little bit and, and actually crack into the playoffs. Um, but then once it's there, and, and I think Cliff has shown himself to be a pretty good playoff coach. Like they got a game off the Raptors in 2019. Um, I thought Charlotte came to play in 2016 against Miami and did a really nice job. They just ran into uh, you know, a three-point shooting buzzsaw with, you know, Joe Johnson and Luau Dang and even Dwayne Wade in that series. They ran into playoff Dwayne Wade, like yeah. the random three-point makes in yeah. the series, you know. And then, and, you know, purple shirt guy, yes. you know, something Steve Clifford couldn't account for. Couldn't account for that. Um, as far as the stuff with LaMelo goes, you know, I will be curious to see just like the commitment to turnover avoidance and the balance that's struck between LaMelo's dominating the ball. He's this one of a kind passer, someone who sees the floor um, in a way that is unique and pretty special. And, you know, I would hope there wouldn't be some sort of, for lack of a better term, some sort of ceiling or cap that's put on LaMelo or other sort of like team-wide creation efforts. Someone like Miles Bridges seems like perfect to like buy into like the Steve Clifford mentality, like the the sort of like do whatever it takes, blue collar. Like he'll probably like he could even if after he gets paid, maybe Miles still bring you know brings a different level defensively next season. I don't know. We can maybe get into some of the offensive stuff, but just like I go back to when Clifford was here initially, and and this is really where like. You know, I would I would love to hear from someone that watched more of the Magic the last couple of seasons, both the highs and lows when when Clifford was there, because I'd like to sort of know a little bit more about their their mix offensively. But just when I think of those teams, and part of it was personnel related, but they were just so they were so reliant on spread pick and roll, one five pick and roll with Kemba. And the fourth quarter offense, the crunch time offense just became so uh, rote, Um, just spread, pick and roll, spread, pick and roll. And I just don't want to fall into that loop again with someone like LaMelo, who, you know, I we talked about it this past season. Like at times it felt like the offense was a little too heavy on spread pick and roll with LaMelo and that really their best offense was when they get into their flow and they're showing you multiple guys that can yeah. attack off ball screens or uh, ghost screens. And they're, they're whipping it side to side around handoffs and slips. Um, the ball's popping around and it's not just, you know, uh, LaMelo one high um, and, you know, from the top or, you know, LaMelo empty corner, which they, I mean, the empty corner stuff was really good for them. 
uh, this year with LaMelo, but I still think they, they leaned on it a lot. So um, that that's kind of where I'm at with Cliff. Like, I think it's going to take a little bit more time for me um, at this point. Like I'm just going to reserve rights until I actually see it because like, I, I know, I think of Steve Clifford as being a pretty good coach and assuming he is, he's healthy and up for this because uh, Steve Clifford battled, um, you know, work stress issues when he was in Charlotte. And I, I believe he had those in Orlando too. So, uh, you know, I, I worry about the, the health of him in general. So, but assuming he's up for it, I mean, he's definitely like not a bad NBA coach. Um, and it would make sense for him to be in like on in a vacuum. It would make sense for this kind of coach, someone that's taken two different franchises to the playoffs. That's been in the NBA for a long time. It would make sense for someone like that to be brought in. I think, I think but it's, it's, of- it's the, it's the previous, it's, it's the fact that there was like a prior relationship to this one. that just makes you like, you know, sort of like scratch your head a little bit. I think we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I think in terms of like the, the you know, the, the spread pick and roll, um, you know, having to really lean on that almost constantly. I mean, I, I just think this roster as it's currently constructed versus, you know, Kimba really being your only playmaker. I mean, you know, I know there was hope Nick Batum could <laughs> bring some of that. We don't need to go back down that road. That did not work out. But, you know, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, uh, LaMelo Ball. I mean, th- there are pieces, you know, there's, there's, there's a myriad of playmaking options on this team. So I think some of that is alleviated just by having, just being the roster being more, you know, equipped in that area uh, where you can be more creative offensively as Charlotte was under Borrego. I wonder about transition to like, yes. yeah. you know, you got to be able to tap in a lamella ball being a pretty good rebounder as a guard and a generational pass, you know, hit ahead passer. So, you know, Clifford's teams always lead the league in defensive rebounding rate. You know, I, I I would hope that he's gonna explore sending one or two guys running the wings consistently. You know, as we've seen the past few seasons from Charlotte, which obviously leads to being bottom ten in defensive rebounding rate, but also leads to free points because Lamelo Ball's best best full court passer in the game. So you know, just creativity. You know, how can Clifford stretch his limits in those areas? Um, you know, and then defensively, well, we can talk about the defense later if you guys want. The other question I have, and then Richie kind of jump in here, like Kai Jones needs to see the floor at some point. James Booknight needs to see the floor at some point. We just drafted Mark Williams. 
Uh, JT Thor showed some flashes. Like Steve Clifford, not a guy. Uh, I don't think I'm breaking news here, but not a guy that traditionally likes to play young players. We got some guys that need to see the floor. Uh, they're young and developing. So that's the other real big question mark that I have. And when it comes to young players getting time, I'm just going to need to see it first. Yeah, he's definitely coming into a situation that was much different when he's with the uh, the first year with the Bobcats, and he's going to have more talent on his team. He's acquiring a team that is just much different in terms of their makeup. And, you know, those that are familiar with Clifford know a couple things about him. One, in terms of getting on the court, the young guys have to work for it. I know that Malik Monk probably averaged like 15 minutes per game his rookie season. And I know that a lot of people were clamoring for him to play a little bit more. Uh, he's defensive oriented. He wants to slow the game down. And that is very much a contrast in what he's acquiring. I think I'm very interested to see his pairing and his core beliefs with LaMelo because if you do want to rebound the ball, which is something that James Borrego's teams never did, you're obviously going to concede getting up the court and leaking up the court. And I think Clifford has got to at least concede a little bit of that. In his five seasons with Charlotte, he was first overall in defensive rebounding percentage in four of the five years. In that fifth year, he was second. So that that's great. Like he's, He can solve that aspect. But pace, he's typically like bottom 10. And so there's a contrasting style here between these two coaches. And I think that if you want LaMelo to succeed, you're going to have to give up some of these like philosophies of having five people rebound, uh, make sure you grab the ball, be very detail oriented. He's going to have to loosen up a little bit. And when he does get in the half court, he is very much a slow it down type of guy. And, and to Brian's point, spread it out, run, pick and roll, pound the rock a little bit. And I think this team is going to have to balance and bridge that gap between JB and, and Clifford. So Clifford's definitely going to have to give up some things. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. I, th I think there's a very contrasting style between the, these two coaches. And I wonder how much Clifford will concede and, and making sure that he accentuates some of the best players. And by doing that, he's going to have to give up some of his old philosophies, I think. Yeah, I mean, part of the other sort of the, the, for if I'm talking about like kind of my, I don't know if I would label them concerns or sort of things that I'm um, interested to see how they play out. But given their relationship to um, player development, it is something that I suppose I, I am like I have a little bit of, of worry for. You know, this is someone that doesn't experiment a lot with lineups, which is something that. I mean, maybe, you know, James Rago took sort of like um, an opposite approach to that. And I know it didn't go great. Um, does Steve Clifford have a tendency to maybe sort of like place guys into boxes and then not really let them kind of sort of see where a more holistic development would take? I think about someone like MKG, who just got placed into being like um, a wing and hey, here's when you shoot, here's when you don't shoot. And here's the responsibilities we want for you defensively, where even though you didn't get to see a lot of it, the MKG time under James Durego, that's, you know, he's already been in the league six, seven years at this point, but just trying, trying him in different places, using him in more of sort of like a modern uh, role. You know, I don't know. I'd be curious to see what that means for guys like Kai Jones and JT Thor. 
sort of like young hybrid front court players that we're just not sure what, what, what they're going to be or, or really like kind of the best paths for them development wise, you know? So that is something that I will keep an eye on. Let's see. Do you want to talk, do you guys want to talk uh, defense at all? Or Spencer, do you have any other thoughts on this sort of thread we're already going on here with Cliff? Not really. I think we've, I think we pretty much covered like what the strengths and, and yeah, weaknesses, right. at least we guess. Yeah. I, I, I do. Richie, do we have a speaker we want to bring on or? Yeah, we do have a uh, cam cam. Go ahead and uh, unmute. Yeah. Hey guys, just procedurally, how did we get to Clifford when he wasn't on the radar the first time? And this might be a little bit more seeking inside information we might not have is, was part of it that they wanted to, I mean, hopefully keep some of the, player development staff i know that was a an issue with atkinson that they want that we wanted to keep our some of the some of the coaching staff i wonder if clifford might be more amenable to that and then the last thing is i just don't see how you know we kind of let borrego go there was some rumblings that maybe he had lost the locker room or like there needed to be a new voice something like that i just cannot see how clifford lasts more than a year with Lamelo ball and hopefully hopefully miles bridges listening to this old man scream at them about boxing out it just the process was it's the same as kind of what was on draft night it was just it just seems like a mess and that's the most frustrating piece because we have like a lot of talent and it's an entertaining team to watch but the process moving around is not giving me a lot of optimism about how we're gonna utilize this talent moving forward uh Thanks. Appreciate all you guys did. Really enjoyed the draft uh, coverage on Thursday. Cam, thanks. Um, I think you're. I mean, yeah, you're 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 dead on here. Uh, we don't need like usually when Michael Jordan makes a decision, you don't really need that much inside info, in my opinion, because <laughs> the dominoes start falling in the drift. I mean, it's pretty clear what happened, and I, I think you're correct. This team wanted to keep the staff on board, the younger staff, probably because they're locked in at a at a certain price point, and they can count on that in the budget. Uh, so penny pitching is a hundred percent part of this. I I believe that probably some of the issues with D'Antoni uh, don't know this, just speculating. He wanted to bring in probably some of his own staff that he wanted to get paid a little bit more than the Hornets were willing. I mean, you know, just same stuff that Atkinson went through with the team. Um, and then they get to Clifford, who it was probably one of the cheapest options out there. Again, penny pitching. And he agreed to bring this staff that's the, or at least part of the staff that's already in Charlotte uh, to retain them um, and, and carry on. So welcome to the Michael Jordan experience as an owner. Um, you know, so I, so everything you said, I 100 percent totally agree with. And it is frustrating, the process. So I try not to let that skew how I actually feel about Steve Clifford as a coach was it which is overwhelming very very positive for the most part so yes I, I think that as I opened up with earlier I think this is a ultimately can be a good thing and I think there is a chance that these young ears and minds um grow to love Steve Clifford uh and this can be a good working relationship I also believe as you said this could blow up and end in a year as LaMelo Ball approaches his extension eligible time frame, and now the Hornets have a total shit show on their hands. I mean, that's that's like, you know, again, the domino effect, right? Like, it, it could totally go that way. You know, ultimately, this is everything that we've talked about, the overarching 
cloud everything we've talked about in the in the last 48 hours what's today say saturday yeah 48 hours since really the draft and everything we've been through this this all has to do all of it in some way ultimately with michael jordan's pocketbook yeah so you know for an owner i don't care if steve clifford works out or not now i'm kind of going off the rails but i don't really think charlotte will ever ultimately succeed at their ultimate potential with what the roster provides and maybe even the coaching staff provides because they have an owner that's never going to spend. And the juxtaposition of that, <laughs> this owner being uh, allegedly the, the most competitive person of all time, I get like, I, I'll never get over it. So anyways, I'm off the rails now. Good question. I think, I think it brings up a, a myriad of topics we can talk it, about. It's, it's also just like they, they can't even get because, because, and some of it, some of it has been bad luck over the years. Some of it has been just missing out on some opportunities, but they can't even like get to the level where it would be like, Hey, you know, could we actually get and go into the tax? Like the team's good. You know what I mean? We could, we could, we could dip into the tax a little bit to bring in, you know, one more player, or bring back this player. And, and maybe that's the thing that makes Charlotte, a uh, 50 win team. You know what I mean? It's like they can't, but they can't even get to the level where you could look around and say like, Hey, one or two more pieces, like, and all of a sudden we could, we could be a top three team in the East. You know, it's like, they don't, they don't even, they haven't even been able to get to that level. And that's just because like the scope in terms of roster building has been just so narrow. I, I said this the night of the draft with with uh, Lee and Richie. It's just it's a little disappointing when that's now that's that same sort of like narrow approach. This one track approach is happening while you also have guys like Miles Bridges and Lamelo Ball, or specifically Lamelo, like someone that seems like a tent pole, but beyond that is just unique, is a different player, um, and that even even when you have a talent like that, you're not thinking outside the box as much as maybe is required. Um, not saying you have to like placate and you've got to like, just make LaMelo feel like he's the, you know, your number one boy every day. Like it doesn't have to be like that just in terms of, of, of style in terms of how dynamic you want to be with development and adding young players around it. It's just, I don't know, man. It's like Kate Cunningham comes in a year later after LaMelo. And it's like, look what Detroit has already done by just being a little bit more patient and a little bit more outside the box, um, building this thing up around Kate Cunningham. And now they're looking out with a pretty impressive young core. And we'll see where they go from here. Like the hard work starts now. You know, they're just... They've put Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Sadiq Bay, like some very good players uh, around. I know Bay was on the roster beforehand, but um, I do think in terms of stuff to keep an eye on for Charlotte, and we can maybe use this as a way to, to talk maybe um, some other defensive scheme type stuff. I think Clifford coming in to be joining the day after Mark Williams is drafted is a little interesting. And in a marriage that I think could work between those two pretty nicely, actually, like we've seen Steve Clifford be able to construct defenses that were top 10 in the NBA 
that had Al Jefferson at center. I know the game has changed a lot since 2014. <laughs> like we're not even, we're almost not even talking about the same sport in a lot of ways. Um, but was able to build um, top defenses, good defenses with Nikola Vucevic as his center. Now some of those Orlando teams also had just like monster athletes on the wings defensively, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, you know, Isaac, when he was actually available to play and, you know, Charlotte doesn't have those types of guys uh, at this point, but, you know, I think we'll see a lot of, uh, a lot of drop coverage, something that you saw primarily in Orlando with uh, Vooch and with Bamba. And I know the Mo Bamba, Steve Clifford relationship was not one that uh, bore a lot of fruit. Um, but I, I do think someone, you know, like Mark Williams that's coming into the league a little bit older, played for Krzyzewski at Duke. Like I, I could see, I could, I don't know. I could just, for some reason, I could see like the initial, you know, meeting between those two guys work pretty well. And Clifford maybe seeing him as someone that you could really build the defense up around. If not this season at the start, then um, maybe by the end of the season or heading into next year. Um, there were times in Orlando though, where he would mix things up, bring Vooch up to the, to the level, blitz him on certain stuff. Like I was pulling up tape from the Charlotte versus Orlando in 2018, 2019. So Borrego's first year, Kemba still on Charlotte and Vooch was in a drop often, but they also had him come up higher at times. Um, I also pulled up some film from the 2019 playoffs versus Toronto last night. And at times they had Vooch to the level, like going against double drag versus Kawhi. So I think that's like a little interesting. Um, I also pulled up some film from 2018 versus Portland and Dame. This is when Clifford is with Orlando in year one. Um, A lot of Vooch in the deep drop versus Dame. So really trusting that point of attack defender, you know what I mean, to to fight over. So I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on is like what – is Steve Clifford able to coax out of LaMelo, Terry Rozier, those kind of James Book night, the guards that are going to be the ones having a snake and fight over the top of a lot of screens. So that is something I'll be interested to see. There were times against Portland in Dame's pull-up shooting where Vooch would be high, like right at the level or just underneath it, but for the most part, mixing in the drop. So I don't know. Like it is, it's something that I will be curious to see. Like I, in theory, like, I like Williams in that kind of defensive role, like primarily drop, but a little bit of scheme versatility. It's just, can you, can you figure out the point of attack defenders that are the ones going to be sort of like setting the edge for you defensively while Williams in theory and after when he's ready is the one that's closing off the paint. um, and, And also sort of like leading your defensive rebounding efforts. Yeah, I truly think, and I know I joked about this in our Slack, uh, but I think the decision to draft Mark Williams was with the thought that Clifford was going to be the head coach. Maybe they already had that in mind. Maybe they had already moved off of D'Antoni, and he wasn't necessarily a serious candidate at that point. So yes, I, I do think that Mark Williams can fit the scheme of of the drop coverage. We talked about that leading up to the, the Atkinson hire, the, the things that I do remember about Clifford you know, in Charlotte as a defensive-minded coach, I'm trying to get my memory correct, but I, I think I remember a lot of like overhelping, protecting the paint, limiting shots at the rim. You have a big player, massive player like Mark Williams that can take away shots at the rim. I think that's going to play right into 
you know, what Clifford wants to do. And moving forward, you've got to wonder when it comes to free agency and just acquisitions, do the Hornets look to make moves that are focused on the defense? Because to your point, Brian, some of our point of attack defenders on this team leave a lot to be desired. Does this mean that Cody Martin becomes a priority? Does this mean that Kelly Oubre is expendable? So these are the things that I'm starting to think of moving forward in terms of how, you know, Clifford wants to shape his roster, especially on the defensive side of the court. I hadn't even thought of the Kelly Oubre, Steve Clifford dynamic. <laughs> That's going to be uh, hilarious. Probably I, not a match made in heaven. Probably uh, not. Yes. No, uh, I would like to be the first to preemptively say, welcome back to Charlotte, Michael Carter Williams. Uh, oh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying like, uh, that Are you was, reporting uh, this? I'm not. I'm speculating wildly. <laughs> J- Julian uh, Stone. Or, or knowing uh, Steve Clifford's fondness for MCW. Yeah. I don't and, Yeah, and to that point, Isaiah Thomas, eh, maybe not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. With, um, that, it would seem that they would go de- defense to sort of like, uh, you know, find an extra guard here. Yeah. Yeah, good points, uh, Richie. I, the, the last thing I wanted to say about the defense, and then I want to quickly touch on free agency and maybe how Clifford's um, presence affects that. I'm really excited about what, exactly what Brian was talking about with, you know, guards have to work really, really hard in Steve Clifford's defensive scheme because, yes, the center's going to drop, whether that center's Mark Williams or Mason Plumley or someone else. We'll talk about that in a second. It doesn't matter. We're going to pr- primarily play drop under him. Look, Lamal Ball is 6'7". He's long. Uh, he's elastic. Like, there, he is more than capable of being a, a really good defensive guard when it comes to staying on the hip and staying in the jersey um, of a ball handler coming around his screen. Like, he's one of those defensive players, like, like a really good defensive wing, where he doesn't need to stay in front of the ball. He doesn't even need to stay hip to hip to the ball handler because of his length, right? Um, so just being committed to staying as attached as possible around those screens – I think he could make huge leaps very, very quickly, just with some attention to detail. Um, you know, Rosier, it's a different story. He's limited there. Miles Bridges also can make huge leaps. So there's plenty to be excited about in that fashion, in that scheme. Wanted to touch on that. In terms of free agency, um, you know, I, I do wonder, you know, I, I think if I read Cupcheck's comments correctly in the in the Williams intro, introductory press conference yesterday, it was very much, well, we'll see how much he plays. You know, it's going to take him a while, uh, which was a little like, wah, wah, because um, that means Mason Plumley, <laughs> as the roster is currently constructed, is going to play the majority of those minutes. So, segueing to just Clifford's um, presence now, what he needs as a starting center, assuming that's not going to be Mark Williams day one, um, does it mean that, that this team finds a way via trade uh, getting off salary uh, in order to bring in say an Isaiah Hartenstein or uh, I don't know, name your center. Like we could go wild here, but I do wonder if it turns up the volume on how aggressive the Hornets will, will be in trying to upgrade the, ve- uh, the veteran center position to, to ensure that Mason Plumlee is not starting center day one. I, I, I really think that could be in play here. Uh, at the right cost, of course. But yeah, and I wanted I, to just talk about that for a second. Yeah, and I, I think we have like 20 second-round picks that we can attach to, right? That that, can- <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. But MJ's going to sell those for cash at a later date. So I, I don't know that we could sell those. So, um, But, yeah, I, so I don't know. I, I'll just kind of throw it to you guys there. I, 
I do wonder if like part of the negotiation, Clifford's like, okay, keep your staff on. I'll coach for you at this number. Uh, yeah, you can have your your team option on year three, but we're going to upgrade this center position this summer. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up here. But I do think in some way his presence could uh, have an influence on the free agency strategy. No, I, I agree. I agree. Perimeter defense, but also a, as a big man as well, Spencer. And yeah, it's kind of weird that he brought up those thoughts about Mason Plumley about you know, Mark Williams may or may not see a significant amount of playing time. And that leads you to believe that Mason Plumley has the starting job locked up. Uh, but, or who, who knows, maybe it could be something like, Hey, we're trying to boost Mason Plumley's value out there. And we, we really value him. Cause you know, he's not going to bad mouth Plumley. Like that's not what he's going to be doing in that type of press conference. But I don't even think like Plumley was even asked in that question. He just kind of naturally brought him up, but uh, yeah, I think getting off salary to bring in another center outside of the rookie Mark Williams that has a presence on that end of the court is going to be huge because, you know, if Clifford did concede with the staffing and, and maybe his contract was not exactly ideal for him, you know, maybe he has some kind of say in how he's going to construct the the roster on the defensive side of the court. And I think the big man especially uh, needs to be upgraded. Yeah. And, it, you know, I, I wonder like who Clifford sees as expendable, right. To, to build, to build this, this roster around defensively. Like, is, is it more of a Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward? Uh, like these guys really aren't going to help me out that much in, in what I'm trying to do. Or is it like, I want to go get this defensive wing or this, this, this defensive center. that's going to make a difference day one. And I, I, I don't really know how I'm going to weave James Booknight or, or Kai Jones into this lineup. And, and we use them as, as, as what I would consider pretty valuable trade bait uh, to try to go upgrade the roster. So anyways, I, I just uh, thinking through some of that and who he might or might not prioritize on this roster uh, might really influence what happens here in free agency as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we brought up the name Cody Martin earlier. It's funny because, like, Cody's someone that was drafted a, a year after Steve Clifford left, but he really does feel like a yeah. a Cliff-type player in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I think all of a sudden, you know, after – I just – Bridges is going to be back. I think even – especially after we saw how they played draft night, you know, shipping out the, the, the South, essentially the 13th pick and, and that – projected salary slot uh, for a rookie. It's like, I was already pretty certain that Bridges would be back, you know, and now I feel sort of like even more emboldened. Uh, I mean, we'll see, I guess, how it plays out, but I feel confident in that. And then below that is, you know, what do they want to do with Cody Martin? For people, I think there are other young guys in the roster that like someone like James Booknight that could be looking up and saying like, where, where do I fit, you know, into the, into the, into the mold here? Um, and, but for someone like maybe like McDaniels, that's a guy that could look up and say like, wow, I've got, now I could really have a chance to sort of, to, to see a bigger role and to really, uh, you know, be unlocked as a, as like a defensive wing and someone that can be disruptive at the point of attack and, and, and do it with maybe, you know, if Williams comes online at some point this season with, you know, with the real presence at the, in the paint too. So you know, just looking a lot some at the wings, um, you know, again, I think Bridges will be back and I think the Bridges Clifford fit is nice. I, I think that's going to, that's like going to work out. I think McDaniels, there's some potential there too, just because of his buy-in and impact defensively. The same could be said for Cody Martin. 
it's just, um, you know, I don't know what the market looks like for him this off season. You know, it seems like a guy that probably, you know, probably gets the full, you know, could get the full mid-level, you know, would, would be my thought is, is how other teams would see him. Um, as a guy that's in the prime of his career, can shoot a little bit, winning plays, pretty good defender, et cetera. But uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe a little bit below that, but it, it does sort of feel like he could, he could draw the full mid-level from somebody. Um, so what does that do? If that's the case, what does that do to Charlotte's um, desire to, to retain him? Um, so anyways, those are some loose thoughts I have on free agency yeah. and, um, and yeah. All right, I do want to wrap with one last speaker request before we get out of here because we got to get out of here by nine. Uh, Matt, your hand was up the longest, so go ahead and ask your question. Hey guys, good, uh, good morning. Um, and well, first of all, Clifford, I'm not very enthused on that hire, but uh, you know, he's not a bad coach. But if you're looking for a guy to take you to the next level, I'm very skeptical on that one, and and I don't know how, but. Uh, you know, you were mentioning players, how, how they were fit into his system. Uh, I think possibly P.J. Washington could benefit. He's kind of the, that kind of guy that does all the little things and, and really shows a lot of effort out there. But uh, I don't know how uh, Clifford would be to playing, you know, a small ball lineup with him at the five. Uh, I think he probably is not a fan of that. But uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that. I hope P.J. – I know he's been one that's, you know, been throwing around is most likely going to be traded or whatever eventually, but I would love to see him be here long-term. Yeah. I think McDaniels, I think PJ, I think Cody Martin, obviously mm-hmm. um, he's a free agent. Those guys seem like Clifford guys. And to your point, Matt, on the opposite end, you know, PJ had a lot of run because he was so versatile with the way that he could be played. He could be played at the four. He could be played at the five. It's hard for me to imagine him playing at the five with under, you know, under Clifford. But like I said throughout this podcast, Clifford is going to have to concede some things with the way that he coached originally. And you're not going to be able to take out all of his philosophies because, you know, that's that's who he is. That That's what he has become as a coach. And I think Brian mentioned this earlier. Yes, there is a ceiling in which. Clifford can bring these teams up with, but I also think that he does raise the floor of the team. Cause if you were to look at that 2016 playoff team, like there's not a lot of great players on that roster, you know, Kimba Walker, uh, you know, Cody Zeller, we yeah, had the tomb and stuff like that. But, kindly. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing to say on specific to PJ um, defensively, uh, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. There are some things that Orlando did offensively with Vooch. And I don't want to, they're not the same player, right? Because Vooch is much bigger. He's got like a legit back to the basket game and he's an excellent pick and pop player. I mean, so is PJ with some of the stuff, the pick and pops, the elbow action that you saw with Vooch is something that PJ could potentially, assuming he's still on the roster next season, could, could, could find a role doing that stuff offensively. So maybe maybe that's sort of a way to unlock PJ a little bit more, which is something that I think we were hoping to see at parts of this season. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here on Twitter Spaces. This is going to be released as a podcast as well. Hope you guys enjoy your Saturday. For Brian, for Spencer, I'm Richie. Have a good one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.